Thanks so much for joining us for Faith in Four Letter Words, where we take an unapologetically real look at surviving the boys club, perfect poly, and motherhood, all while living in a glass fishbowl. I'm Amanda Goodman. And I'm Tara Thomas. Welcome to episode two of season two of Faith in Four Letter Words. We are happy to have you back. We're happy to be back. Thank you for heading into the fall with us. And whenever or wherever you listen to this, we appreciate you keeping company with two women who like to say a lot and sometimes blow a lot of hot air. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, we just have a lot of knowledge. I don't think of it as hot air at all, but no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's great to be back. Of course, we want to thank our, one of our main sponsors, rock gym, the OG of gyms often imitate it, never duplicate it. Thank you for still kicking my my hiney every morning, and early. <laughs> and to Zach from Pixel Labs, Pixel Labs located in Cedar Falls, Iowa, where they online are easily found if you go to Pixel Labs and you can use, utilize their services to help your brand and business grow in creative and innovative ways that you have never dreamed of. So thanks to Zach and his team at Pixel Labs. Yes, he is the, uh, he's just amazing what he does. And we're so thankful. He makes us sound good. He does everything. So we appreciate it. And let's get right into it because if you are a parent, if you're not a parent, if you're a woman, man, whatever, you need to watch the social dilemma on Netflix. It will blow your mind. And I'm still, I'm still dumb. It's it's one of those things, Tara, like when I watch it, it's stuff that we already know, but then to see it. And the one thing that I want to talk about that really stuck out to me when it was the guy who was on there who invented the like button, he created the like button on Facebook. And he Mm -hmm. said, we created that because we wanted to spread kindness around the world. We just wanted to spread kindness. He said, never in a million years would we have thought that that like button would cause tweens and teens specifically to go into like a downward spiral of depression Mm -hmm. because, and think about it. Like it blows my mind because you know, it happens. I mean, I did it. I still do it. And I did it on the news. If a story I wrote didn't get a lot of likes or something that I wrote, I was like, Oh, I should delete it. I don't, I don't don't do that. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like not liked out there. I don't want people to see, well, she posts this or this picture of hers. You don't look good enough for me to like that picture. And it's like, I thought about specifically my older, oldest daughter who she's getting turned 13 soon. And this is where we are. Oh, it blew my mind. It, same. And it was because of you tipping me off about it. And actually one of my daughter's teachers mentioning it as a really impactful documentary. And then I've just now heard this buzz in the news about it. And I finally decided as a mom we as a family need to watch it because my children also are at that really critical stage and age in their lives at 12 and 14. And my son, I allowed him to be on social media now going into middle school, both Snapchat and Instagram. Whereas my daughter, she was both by choice and by my protection protectionism, not on social media until she was actually going into eighth grade. So she has made comments to her younger brother, you got social media, you know, two years older, two years younger than me. And so I really recognized that we needed to have to put the phone down and put the social media accounts on pause for a minute and have this collective experience of exactly what you said, hearing other people, the people that created these platforms and and tools and applications, hearing them tell us 
what they now acknowledge is being done to our brains as a result. So we sat down as a family, we watched it for an hour and a half. Of course, we had to pause it a few times because comments were being made or brother and sister were picking at each other about, well, you did that or you did this in reaction to the guilt that they were feeling and the defensiveness about being called out on the carpet for being so engrossed in their phones that they don't even listen to family members who are calling on them. I mean, how many times wearing his Beats headset has my son completely ignored us to the point where we're screaming at him oh. to get him to listen? Oh my God. I know. It's how, I know. It's the same in this house. And my, I, I watch my daughter. The first thing she does when she wakes up, she picks up her phone. She, I don't think it ever leaves her hand. I don't think it ever mm-hmm. leaves her hand. And so, you know, there was a woman in there. And so, you know, parents, I, I was that mom. I was that perfect parent before I had kids. <laughs> so I was the one saying they're not going to ever be on social media until they're 18. You know what? You, you just change. And it sounds so stupid. This sounds so stupid. And I, I'm, I'm recognizing that before I even say it. But she was the only one who didn't have XYZ social media. Okay. We don't live in a time like we did back when we were raised, where it was like that. That was only, if you don't have it, you are the kid who's left out because that's how kids communicate. Kids don't text. They don't call each other. They are back and forth on Snapchat. They're doing, that's how they communicate. And I feel like I'm, I'm guilty. I am so guilty because I don't want my kids to be left out. Exactly. And you're not guilty because let's face it as parents, is it our job? This is what I always think back to. Okay. Think back to us, right. In high school, admittedly, there were times where we found ourselves in circumstances and situations where no matter how much our parents cared or no matter how well they raised us, we were in situations where we were in harm's way Mm -hmm. and they weren't even aware that those situations were out there that we were even a part of because we didn't have cell phones. They didn't have trackers. They didn't even know sometimes where we were. So what it came down to is, were you armed with the ability at a young age when your brain was still developing and you were actually quite immature, were you capable of self-regulating and making good choices? And and the reality is you can't put them in a bubble. We can't send them out into the world in bulletproof vests. So you are going to have to trust that everything you've poured into them from birth to whatever age they are that they are going to use all of the knowledge that you've poured into them and the life experience that you've imparted to them to make the right choice, regardless of the circumstances. So let's face it, the internet and social media is replicating real world environments. If your children are out there in the wild, wild west, I hope that they can make responsible choices, many times in contrast to the peers right in their midst. And I have to trust that. So I am completely on board with you. I'm not going to isolate them from a world that now is two parallel universes, the online world and the in-person existence. And they, let's face it, they are interwoven into the fabric of all of our lives. Oh, I absolutely. And the one thing that we have to figure out in social dilemma, you know, made me really stop in my tracks and think about it. It's stuff that we already know, but this, this documentary is so well done and it really like puts perspective. We live in this world in this social media world where everything is filtered. I just talked to a group of young kids the other day and it was like, you know, within days of watching this documentary and this one girl was telling me that her whole day is ruined. If somebody doesn't like a picture, 
Then she said that she will, she never uses, um, she never goes with an unfiltered picture. She's like, because people don't like those. Every time I use one of those cool Snapchat filters, people tell me how beautiful I am. And that makes me feel good. Well, let's be real. I know people in my life. I know adults who filter the hell out of their pictures. <laughs> I'm like, you don't mess with you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm guilty. I use a black and white filter all the time because I rarely have makeup on. I stick to a black and white. I'm not using a Snapchat filter that has my eyes sparkling. And then like, like my one friend, I'm like, you don't even have blue eyes, girlfriend. You've got brown eyes. <laughs> We've seen you in person. We know you don't look like that. (laughs) It's it's insane. Like it's insane. And so that's, that's what my biggest concern is. Like these young girls and boys are literally trying to morph into something Mm -hmm. else. I mean, it's, that it was scary for me to look at who my son is following on Instagram. Let's see. Addison Ray. She's like a swimsuit model who has a campaign with American Eagle. She's apparently friends with Khloe Kardashian. He's also following the Kardashians. He thinks Kylie Jenner has, you know, some finer points. I, it kind of blew me away because he's 12. And so then I had to think like at 12, did I care or who did I like? And I just, I was never a tiger beat person. I mean, I didn't have that magazine and, you know, but I had, I had to think about it. I had like a, I think I had a John Travolta poster. I think I had Doobie Brothers. And, you know, I even had like Mork and Mindy. That's really weird to me. But I definitely had to acknowledge and own that I was enamored with celebrities. I was being sure. influenced by these people. And now the difference is fingertips. they yes. have a pipeline right to our kids through these devices. And right. so here's what was so telling about it. When we were sitting down and watching and just how I described, you could tell just from, you know, the body language of my kids that it was bothering them because they were starting in their minds to own the fact that they haven't even recognized how much their phones are driving their day-to-day lives. And so after it was over, it was so perfect because I had to own what we both acknowledge that we too are addicted to our phones, both for work and pleasure. So I said, mommy isn't suggesting that social media is all bad. Mommy is telling us as a family, we are not our phones. Those are forms of entertainment. And these platforms are distractions and forms of entertainment. That's not our real life. And so we have to make sure that we recognize that what we're doing over here as a family and this day-to-day existence, it's only going to be supported in some ways by our phones and social media, but it should not be dictated by our phones. And I think that was a turning point for me because then I had to say, okay, at what point are we going to be more intentional? And Thomas reminded me that at Chick-fil-A, they have that plastic bucket where if all of you as a family around the table put your phones in it at the end of your meal, they'll give you a free ice cream cone. I love that. Um, that it's fantastic because it's like, that's why I like the, the, all those restaurants and you see it on social media where people say, you know, there's no Wi-Fi here. Pretend it's like 1985. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can pretend it's like 1995. Like we were showing our kids last night, the, our, our first phones. And, you know, my husband's was the Nokia and I had like a bag phone, but we could only use it on nights and weekends. And after nine, I yeah. mean, like, it's just... But it does because I'm the same way. I like I I try to be I try to put my phone up every night at seven o'clock. So people know if you do anything to me after seven o'clock, my phone is gone because I need to shut down. I wish I could turn off social media, but with my job, I cannot. Same. I cannot. So I'm trying to be more intentional. I'm trying to use it then for the power of good 
rather than superficial nonsense. And frankly, I'm too old to be superficial and have superficial BS and nonsense on social media. You know what I'm saying? It's like passive aggressive posts. You know, like I will post one on Instagram, like a quote that will speak to me and I give it the old, you know, Iowa. Oh, (laughs) just like, because it's not that I, that's something that I want. If I post a quote, it's something that I would totally have coming out of my mouth. Right. You know what I mean? But it's, I just still am, I can't, there's no other way to describe it except mind blowing what that documentary, like how it shifted, how everything I think and how they have so much control Yep, and they're using us and And they're using us to become billionaires. Yeah. We are the lab rats for their Mm -hmm. giant social experiment where all it, the end game is us purchasing products that advertisers are shoving down our throats by way of subtle and persistent and calculated exposure to every little nuance and like and follow that leads to an algorithm of who you are as a person and then how artificial intelligence is going to shift our minds and tell us how we are and tell us what we like and tell us what we need and tell us what we should buy. Mm -hmm. And so I said that to my kids. I said, the reason you want to buy the Travis Scott meal at McDonald's is because you've just seen this influencer marketing on social media that even informs you of what that's all about. And the parents are none the wiser. We don't even know what they're talking about. Right. And so that's driving so much of our consumerism and our capitalism. And so the other thing that you'll find as relatable, as soon as I launch into the mommy and daddy didn't have cell phones and, and oh, then they say, yeah, right. Your phone was attached to the wall. And then when I say when we would drive around with Nana and Papa, we didn't have videos in our cars and we didn't have a way to call our friends and we didn't have the gaming system attached to the back seat of the minivan headrest. So we didn't have any of that. And then my son's default is to always say, well, just because you guys didn't have it doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy it. And that's the headline for young kids to tell us, right? Just because, you know, you didn't walk to school through snow for a mile you got a, a ride, you know, why should you be punished for the difference? And so what I always say is, but that doesn't make it right. Right. That doesn't make it right. You, both of you are spot on. And this is what I, my, my oldest says the same thing. Well, mom, it's here and it uh, has a lot of good parts. It does. However, children, their mind is not fully formed until 25 and their self, their, their, their sense of self, nothing. So right now we have literally thrown our children into a, the most superficial world there is. I said, you know what? People aren't going to, this is the lunch table. This is recess. This is for us. This is, you know, this is 24 hour, the 24 hour junior high lunch table where you're not getting included or you're not getting asked to the sleepover. So if you want to put it in the eighties and nineties form, that's what this is, but this is all of the time. Yes, a barrage of that constantly coming at you. Whereas before you could leave it. Recess was over. Lunch was over. You could go home. You could escape it. You can't escape it now. No. And like, if you had an argument, like during the week on Friday, it ended at three o'clock and then by Monday, everybody forgot about it. No, it just escalates. That's why I've always said in every speech I do about anti-bullying, you know, it's Friday is the new Monday. Yes. You know what? Because it just starts like that's Friday afternoon is it's, it's Monday. Cause it's going to get, it's going to blow up over the weekend. It's going to come on, on Twitter, the the back and forth. And then what happens? It goes into the school's and that's where it is. I this quote, I wrote this quote down from Social Dilemma that I wanted to share with you. 
It says, this is from the documentary. It says social media starts to dig deeper and deeper down into the brainstem and take over kids sense of self worth and identity. And this is coming from people who literally were in it, who created Facebook, who created Instagram, who created Snapchat. This is coming from one of those creators and we have let them. And I feel like a failure as a mom because here I wanted my child to have Snapchat because that's how she and her friends communicate. And I didn't want her to feel left out if she didn't have it. Well, now I have subjected her to possible ridicule or less, less self-worth if that's not a good filter. What if somebody doesn't like, like your picture? Exactly. I mean, it's just, and it's a we, and we are all, we are all doing that to our children and to ourselves. And it's affecting our behavior when we're not even, you know, cognizant of it. But not only did that blow my mind, everything you just described about the documentary, the other piece of it is the individuals who are genius enough in the tech world to create these products that have surpassed everyone's wildest dreams in terms of their adoption and, and ultimate manipulation of our minds they are now charged with their own self-regulation. And so the the defectors from Silicon Valley who started some of these side endeavors like the Center for Humane Technology, the man who's at the forefront of this documentary, they are now actually trying to police themselves, an industry that they helped create, a monster now that they realize has taken on a life of its own. And yet nobody is stopping them because there is so much wealth tied to the outcome. So no one, right, wants to, and this is no way a political statement. I have said for years, if electric cars were as affordable as gas or oil you know, powered vehicles, we would have a whole fleet of electric cars. But because of all of the control and the special interests and how much money is involved in shifting our culture, it's not going to happen. Probably in our lifetime, even for decades, things take so, you know, a snail's pace to evolve. But in the world of tech, they show a graph in this documentary. It has evolved in terms of its speed, its prowess, its reach, faster than any development in human history. And mm-hmm. so when you think of the lack of regulation for something that is is beyond our wildest dreams in terms of how much it advances and shifts and changes, can you imagine? I mean, look at how much the last five years, Amanda, have, have changed whereby social media overtook and surpassed all of our free time. Now think of where we're going to be in the next five years and your child, your youngest being there, all of our kids, digital natives. I mean, it will be, I, I do know from listening to futurists, as they call them, talk about this. I do know that they have described a world and I have seen this projected into a video compilation. If you walk down the street and you even come within a certain amount of feet from like a Bath and Body Works images of, you know, candles and soap are going to start flashing through your virtual reality glasses because we won't even have phones. We're going to have glasses that are bombarding. So I think about how crazy mentally, how hard it is, I should say mentally for us to separate ourselves from the technology. And that is the point. It's going to evolve so that we are incapable of everyday living 
without a dependence on the very technology that's already brainwashing it. And it's it's only going to irritate me, someone like me, <laughs> even worse, because we I'm so tired of all the fake. And I've said this time and time again on this podcast. The only thing I want fake in my life is my hair, my lashes, and my spray tan. But if it's on me, then it's already mine. So it's then it's real. Then it becomes real. Like so I don't even I mean, I just everything is for show. And mm-hmm. I wish social media when, it, when we went back to the days of you know when MySpace and like you can make the the page that came up and it was you know had the music and you could do like the Chanel background on it and you thought you were pretty <laughs> cool but it was all about just connecting you know and so I look at the different age groups and people say well you know the older people they just use it they want to connect no actually the older people use social media to fight especially during an election year the older people oh, yes. use it. They're more passive aggressive on it and they'll just say things to you. So they're, they're kind of being somebody that they're, that they, maybe they really are like that, but they're living in that, uh, they have that other shell to them on social media. They're like, you know, Betty badass on social media. And then you have like our younger kids. It's all about these staged pictures. And that's what breaks my heart. Like I tell my kids all the time, you're going to grow up. And you're going to look back on your childhood and there's not going to be one candid shot with you and your friends like belly laughing. Like the pictures I have with all my friends growing up, with the, we all had bad perms, bottle cap mm-hmm. glasses, and but we were <laughs> laughing hysterically. <laughs> Everything is staged now. You know, these poses, you know the poses I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. with the, the one arm down and it's like- it oh, my daughter is perpetually like sticking her tongue out, which yes. we're doing a peace sign and I, and, you know, and I laugh because I'm like, okay- what dorky things did I do? Many, like you described at that age, but they do these things because some influencer has yeah, done it uh, and it's it's supposedly cool. And then we as adults are saying, you guys are making fools of yourselves, but yet that's driving their psyche of what's acceptable and what's attractive. But who says, like all these people who have become influencers, like self-ordained influencers, who the hell are you? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I just want to be like, who are you? And I, you know, when I say that and I have, you know, my, my daughter is like, mom, stop. Like, you don't understand. No, I don't. So it's right. I don't understand. And I'm not trying to be, you know, how my parents were when my parents told me my music was stupid when, it, you know, it was not. I mean, the only thing my parents were actually accurate on were my ridiculously high rave hairsprayed bangs. <laughs> that were like, I'm only five, six, but I was like five eleven when I was done with my hair. Like that was the only thing, but I'm like, who says who says that, that, who says that, that, like, who are they? Like who, what's if that's their opinion. That's their exactly. opinion. And so you're letting them completely brainwash you. And so these kids are growing up without a thought of their own. Oh, and, and the biggest thing too, that also like many of the points that were made struck me, think about Saturday morning. That was the, old, and I told the kids this, I said, yeah, mommy and daddy could only watch cartoons on Saturday morning. They, they weren't accessible any other time. We didn't have any other platform or device to watch it on. So I said, it was just reserved for Saturday morning. And then the guy, again, he was fairly young. That was one of the primary voices in this piece. He's explaining, remember Saturday morning, no commercials targeted anything other than appropriate content for young children. So it was Hasbro and Mattel toys and the Barbie camper. Yes. All of the, you know, the, my little pony, and then all the cereal, all the sugary cereal commercials and lucky charms. I mean, and now when our kids are out there on YouTube and they're on Snapchat and TikTok, you are one video and click away from porn. Right. Porn. (laughs) 
Right. I mean, my, can, you imagine, can you imagine us watching a commercial and our parents come in and all of a sudden it's, you know, Kylie Jenner twerking and we would have been horrified. <laughs> Tara, do you remember though, like when we were younger, there was that big campaign to, they would not let, they wouldn't let the sugary cereals have commercials during kids programming. And then they were changing the names of the sugary cereals. I mean, <laughs> that was the big scandal back then. That was it. But exactly. now we're teaching our, te- we're te- telling our daughters, you know what? You need to have lip filler in your lips by the age of like 14. Because I mean, let's talk Kylie Jenner. I'm not slamming an, a, a woman, a young woman at all. She looks completely different than she mm-hmm. did as a mm-hmm. child. And she was an adorable girl. There was nothing wrong with her. And she made these adjustments when she was still a teenager. So when women make these decisions, good for you. I got you. I, I do that stuff too. But that is the message. And we have no control over it. And that's the problem. That's the problem it, I have. It, I have only, no control. Yeah. And it, we we don't. I mean, it, it's, it, is, it is totally out of our control. And that's a scary place to be as a parent because you want to have some semblance of control, especially over your children. But the one shout out I will give to the entire Kardashian family is because of their Persian heritage. And in the case of, I believe it's Persian. Is that the correct? Armenian. Sorry, Armenian. Yeah. That, that mm-hmm. was bad. That was not being culturally competent because of their Armenian heritage, because of your Italian heritage, and because of my Midwest farmer's daughter heritage. Amen to the Kardashians for normalizing big booties. No, right. And curves. Because my son at 12, I at least can appreciate that he would want a woman with curves over Kate Moss, who was anorexic. Because so Kate that Moss, <laughs> that's who the boys liked when we were in school. They wanted the Kate Moss. Yes, like yes. Those, like, you know, I remember the, the, the classic, I think it was Cindy Crawford who made a comment, like, which was so derogatory that she wouldn't, wouldn't know what to do if she had a butt like J-Lo's, you know, and now J-Lo's is thanks to the Kardashians and other celebrities that sort of amassed a following. It has been normalized that we right. love curvy women. So I will give I credit like that. to the Kardashians. I'll join you in that. That may be the only thing I give credit for. Them yeah, too, exactly. But, I, will join that. but I, you know, this is the, the big issue is this. We it's to tell our kids that we're going to take away their phones. We're going to turn off social media. It doesn't work like that. And so if, if people who are parents of very young children, um, people who don't have children yet, you know, I applaud you and um, your desire to think that that's going to happen and you're going to be that parent. And if you can be that parent, more power to you. It is beyond difficult and you will find that. Um, we have to live in the society with social media. So we have to learn, figure out how to teach our kids that they are worth more than a filter. So it is more conversations. Yes. It's putting the phones down and saying, let's talk about this. Absolutely. And I caution you, if you are that person who thinks you're going to game the system, pun intended, and you're going to isolate your children entirely from social media, the minute they come into a a peer's house or the minute they exit your home and get into high school, social circles or college, it's going to be like what the Amish call, what is it, the the rump? The rumsh, what do they call that? When they go out into the world and sow their oats to determine if they want to stay with their faith. It's a reality show. Rum spring. Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's what it's going to be like. Your children will be unleashed into this world. (laughs) The rum spring. Rum spring. Yeah. Yeah. That will be so addictive and so enticing and such powerful in terms of its innate capability to hook you like a drug 
that you may never get them back. I mean, seriously. So let's be realistic. Like Amanda and I are trying to be, you can't completely alienate your kids and live like Little House on the Prairie. But if you can help educate and arm them and navigate it as they're making their way through, let's face it, a world that technology is so engrossed with, you will help give them the tools to make the choices hopefully more appropriately. It's like, we'll end with this because this is so dealing, dealing with social media is like dealing with mean girls who turn into a-hole women. Okay. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you can't tell your kids, you know, this, this is a phase I'll grow out of it. No, because once you, it, it all, everybody changes. Like the, the mean girl, the junior high table, she just grows up to be the mean mom. They will always exist. So you have to teach your kids how to handle that, how to, how to, how to respond to these people. That's it. So we have to, we know social media, it's only going to get more vast. There's going to be more things at it. So we have to teach our kids and ourselves now how to deal with it in a responsible way. And where do we put the value on ourselves? I mean, I will filter the crap out of a picture of myself, but I will put in the picture, Hey, check out this filtered picture of me. Because when you see me up in Walmart, you're like, that is not you. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not, it's not. And I recognize that, but we have all of these kids are putting the wrong, the, just so much emphasis on the wrong thing. And it's, it's scaring me. Oh, absolutely. So let's collectively try to help support one another as parents and then teach our children how to behave appropriately on platforms that we know we can't escape from. Absolutely. Make it a great week, everyone. <laughs>